Hey there, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Uh, we're going to have a fun one today because as we record this, like an hour ago, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was traded from the St. Louis Blues to the New York Rangers, so we're going to focus a lot on that today. With me, as always, Brooke Laferno from the Hockey Raiders NHL Trade Talk. How you doing, Brooke? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this big trade because I know we're still a little bit of ways away from the trade deadline, but I'm glad that things are kind of starting to move. Well, it's the second big one now. I mm-hmm. would say this is big. Like Tarasenko, yeah. we've been talking about this forever, right? This has okay. been a guy who in St. Louis wasn't happy there, uh, sort of stuck through everything, his injury, didn't like the way that the St. Louis Blues had sort of done that uh, and helped him get through things medically, asked in a way to be moved. And it didn't really happen. He wasn't traded. He stayed in St. Louis. He did his part. He mm-hmm. played his role. He was productive, did all the things. But now he's a pending UFA. He's becoming a rental. Uh, and the Rangers decided he was their guy. And so St. Louis has moved him. Now, we didn't know for sure St. Louis was going to be a seller or a buyer. We figured kind of. There's a lot of talk mm-hmm. about Ryan O'Reilly and other players like uh, Barbashev and things like that. But it hadn't officially is this the first sign do you think st louis now officially a seller like if if tarasenko's going out the door does this mean that the st louis blues see themselves as sellers towards the deadline or are we still too early and tarasenko's kind of the outlier here where he was probably getting moved no matter what yeah you could say that he was probably getting moved no matter what because he did put in a trade request a couple of years ago and it was never fulfilled but at this point you have to think that st louis um are sellers are going to be sellers you have to only because they are third worst in the central i think people maybe expected a little bit of regression from them but not to this extent i was actually surprised by that myself so yeah i think tarasenko obviously it's a big move but yeah, I think they have, they also, I think in my mind, have to be sellers. They don't really have a pipeline. I think they were ranked like 29th in prospect rankings, even back in August. So they do need some help a little bit to try to right this ship. And unfortunately, it seems like their glory days are gone. But yeah, I see them as sellers at this point. I don't think it's just Tarasenko. I think they're going to keep going. Yeah, no, I, I see it too. I, I wonder if O'Reilly, who has said that he wants mm-hmm. to stick around, is probably going to go. I'm sure that's the next shoe to drop here. Uh, we've heard about Ivan Barbashev, and there was a whole big thing about whether or not he was told if he was going to be moved. There's some discrepancy there about whether or not that was actually said. His agent said it wasn't. Uh, an insider has said that he was. We'll see mm-hmm. if he's moved to. Uh, the trade for Tarasenko is basically the Rangers are getting Tarasenko at a 50% retained salary with defenseman Nico Mikola, and then St. Louis Blues are getting forward Sammy Blaze, defenseman Hunter Skinner, a 2023 first-round pick, which is conditional, and a 2024 fourth-round pick, which is also conditional. Uh, the conditions is later the two becomes a third if New York makes the playoffs. So they're somewhat protected, um, sort of loosely protected here, but the first-round pick isn't like a lottery-protected thing or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's And there's really no reason um, that either one of these two teams, I guess St. Louis could really drop off if they sell like crazy, um, that they would be you know in that situation. But... Yeah, so the, the Blues pick up some picks. They move the guy that doesn't want to be there. They move the guy who's leaving anyway. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody expected Tarasenko to stick around at the end of the season once the summer hit. Do you like the trade from the Rangers' perspective? Like, this is a player we had heard, Patrick Kane, who you know really well, uh, mm-hmm. from where you cover Chicago. We've heard Timo Meyer out of Saint San Jose. Obviously, neither one of those guys was on, uh, or at least high enough on their list to go that route. And there's talk now that, St. Louis or uh, the Rangers actually targeted Tarasenko here that this was the player that they wanted. So do you like this trade from a Rangers perspective? 
From the Rangers' perspective, absolutely. If I was a Rangers fan, I think I'd be hopping up and down with joy. I like Tarasenko a lot, always have as a player, um, even though he always destroyed the Blackhawks, but I appreciated what he does as a player. But I love it. It's the type of move you make when you're going for it. And obviously the Rangers are going for it. You have to. And you know what? It is interesting because it was said that he even told St. Louis he'd be willing to move his uh, no-trade clause for the Islanders the Devils, and the Rangers. So, and that was over the summer. So the fact that it kind of came together now, yeah, I like it a lot. From St. Louis's perspective, it's not the best, but honestly, their hands are tied with the no trade clause. They couldn't really do much with that because Tarasenko holds all the cards. But for St. or for the Rangers, like I said, I love it. I think it's great for them. I think it already make it makes them really dangerous. I'll be interested to see how he fits in and if he really does make them better. He should. Let's put it that way. Well, that top line, if it's Zibanejad, Terry Panarin, and mm-hmm. Tarasenko, all of a sudden, you've got yeah. a pretty good top three there. Like, if that's who they're planning on playing with. And it'll be interesting to see if he meshes with Zibanejad. Because I guess the knock on Tarasenko is that he's exclusively one-dimensional. He's a really good mm-hmm. scorer, but he's not very good defensively. And he kind of needs a really top-tier center mm-hmm. to just go off and score, like, 30 to 40 goals. Uh, I would argue that Zibanejad is probably that guy like he's more than a point per game player if not around a point per game he's pretty good like and you've got Panarin who can make a lot of people better uh so Mm -hmm. this could be one of those things where Tarasenko just goes off like he Mm -hmm. he finds chemistry right away uh, really gets comfortable I mean don't know that's going to happen for sure but I could certainly see it and for the Rangers I believe this is important because whether or not Tarasenko sticks around I don't know will he take something of a lesser deal to stay in New York. Possibly we hear about that stuff all the time. People love going to New York. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they needed a rental because there was really no way with the amount of contracts that they have, the cap space that they have for next year. Timo Meyer was not a realistic option for me. Pat- Patrick Kane would have been more realistic to me than Timo Meyer, who was very heavily connected to the Rangers in the last couple of weeks. I don't understand that. I don't know how the Rangers would do that. Like he's got a $10 million qualifying offer. Even if they sign him for an eight year deal, they're looking at like, eight and a half to nine million per season on that player. They can't afford that. Not if they're going to sign, you know, uh, Phil Cheadle and all the guys that they have, Conjure Miller, like the guys that they have uh, on their team are good and they need to keep them. And there's just no way. So Tarasenko can go after this. If he wants big money and he doesn't want to stay in New York because he doesn't think he's going to get it there, they can go. And the Rangers take a little flyer here. Maybe they can convince Tarasenko this is the place he needs to be, you know, sign again for 5 million or something, you know, like just, you never know. It could happen there. So it'll be very interesting to see how this goes down. Uh, you had mentioned earlier kind of that you were a little surprised how early this happened. Now, why are you kind of, we saw the Horvat deal. I don't disagree with you, but why are you a little shocked that this has happened now? Like what, what do you think this suggests? Like why would the Rangers pull the trigger so quickly here? I honestly just think, and I was kind of talking about this with um one of the, one of our, fans on discord about I just I just see this as they just don't want to wait that the Rangers just don't want to wait and I am surprised by how fast honestly all this is going and honestly you could say that Bo Horvat kind of just dropped the domino and it's a domino effect now everyone is going to get moved now but I just see it as they just don't want to wait like I said I know Patrick Kane has always been linked to the Rangers and it seemed like it made so much sense it was almost kind of like too good to be true but I get the point that Kane is still undecided when it comes to his future, and honestly, Tarasenko was on the market, has been for a few years now. He was the one that was willing to move, and honestly, the Rangers could have left with nothing. They could have came out of here with 
honestly nothing without Kane or Tarasenko um, because Tarasenko would still get a lot of interest, I think. So it's almost like he's available. He's on the market. He's ready to leave now. Let's get him while we can. I do think it was just a lot of waiting. They just didn't want to wait. So I, I like the aggressiveness because they've always needed that really like big top six forward to really just help them out. And they took a chance and that's what you do when you go for it. So that's why I like it. Even if it's early, you could say, but it doesn't matter. It's a good move for them. <laughs> yeah. And Chris Drury saying he's the GM of the Rangers says he's obviously an elite scorer, terrific player. We felt like acquiring a top six scoring winger was something we needed, but he won't make a commitment to having him on like the first power play or anything like that. So they knew they wanted a top six guy. Um, to me and Emily Kaplan is, is tweeting this out. Uh, she's with ESPN. They did talk about Patrick Kane. They looked at him uh, and they ultimately decided that they didn't want to wait, that they weren't getting, they didn't even get as far as what it would cost to get Patrick Kane, apparently with the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Like they, they started talking about the idea of it and then never got as far as going, well, what would it cost us to acquire him? One, because he wasn't ready to accept a trade. They weren't willing to wait. And there's also some concern about his hip. And so there are some injury issues with Patrick Kane, apparently that the uh, Rangers didn't love. So when you combine all those things together, I'm not really sure uh, what that means, right? Do you, um, your image is frozen there. Hopefully you can still hear me here. Uh, What do you think this means when it's coming to Patrick Kane, like that they've chosen to move on? Do you think this is a sign that this could change the way people look at Patrick Kane? No, I don't think it changes the way people look at Patrick Kane, if I'm being honest. I just think, like I said, it's about timing. And Emily Kaplan kind of said the same thing. I still think he's going to get a lot of interest. Uh, Like Frank Saravalli said, it didn't seem like the injury talk was um, kind of uh, irking teams at this point. Maybe it irked New York, but I don't. Yeah, so I don't really see this affecting Kane negatively. Let's put it that way. If anything, I think you'll make more teams... Um, kind of step up a little bit, but unfortunately that's hard to do when he's still undecided. But his agent did say they would give a seven to 10 day um, notice um, to kind of put packages together. But like I said, New York just wanted to be aggressive and good for them for doing that. And honestly, good for them because they had a choice between Tarasenko and Kane, who are both great players. And you honestly can't lose with either one of them, but it just happened to be that Tarasenko was probably the better fit. But yeah, I don't see it affecting Kane negatively. It's just, like I said, it comes down to him just making up his mind at this point. (laughs) Well, there's definitely salary cap difference too, right? Like, let's keep that in mind. When we're talking about 50% retained on Tarasenko, we're talking now about what a $3.75 million player. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Patrick Kane, 50% retained is still a $5.25 million Mm -hmm. player the Rangers don't have that amount of space without getting a third team involved. So mm-hmm. it's a much harder trade to do like Patrick Kane, that trade for a lot of teams, there's only like two or three teams, whether it's Carolina or Las Vegas or that can afford Patrick Kane straight across or even retained a little bit by Chicago, right? Like if Chicago retains 50, it's still a five million. There's not a lot of teams that just have free $5 million worth of cap space. Like it's just, yeah. it's going to be challenging to, to pull that off. Even if Patrick Kane says, yes, I'm, I'm good to go. Let's do this. And here's the two or three teams that I want. Those teams probably got to do some stuff. Like there's just, okay. I don't know if there's any real way around it. Whereas the blues could deal directly with the Rangers and the blues could retain. And you just got to make some picks in there to get them to do it. And and they did. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about uh bull Horvat. he, I was a little surprised by this, to be totally honest with you. He not the trade. We knew about the trade. We talked about the trade already, 
I think I specifically said, I don't see him signing. I did not expect him to sign with the New York Islanders. I certainly didn't expect him to sign before he'd ever played a game. And then the report was that he had this deal in the bag before the All-Star break. (laughs) So not only that, but he agreed to sign there long-term before he met any teammates, before he ever went to New York. He hadn't even dropped in on the Islanders yet and seen the place and done it. He had agreed to the long-term deal. That's the rumor. That's the speculation here anyway. So if that's the case, what do you think? Like, is this just Bo Horvat going, I want a place to be long-term or I really like the the idea of the Islanders? Like, what, what do you think caused Bo Horvat not to explore a free agency and just go, I think this is the fit for me? Do you know what? I, I laugh when you said that because we did the same thing. I feel bad because on last episode, I was kind of wishy-washy like, oh, maybe. Like, I didn't really see it, but I kind of saw it that maybe he would get an extension. So sorry about that. But I actually, when I saw it, I was kind of shocked still. Um, But he did mention that uh the Islanders were kind of in his top five already when he spoke uh, with his wife just because they'd heard such great things about the community and the team. So I do think that had something to do with it. The fact that he already thought favorably of the team and the community itself already. And obviously as kids, that's a big factor too. Obviously you want to be locked in somewhere long-term so you have more security uh, for your family. But I think it also helps that the Islanders are a good team. Like I said, they do need a little bit of help. It's not like they're in Vancouver situation where they're not good and they need a lot of help. So, I mean, the Islanders are always right in it in the playoffs. They just needed help. So I think it's a lot of things. I think he sees that they are a good team. um, And with him, they're even better. And honestly, it gives them a lot of security and the team has a pretty good reputation. So I think it's a lot of things. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised in that sense, but I think it still is kind of surprising a little bit, but it's a great thing for Long Island for sure. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if the Islanders do anything else. Like if this is kind of, this was their big play. Uh, they see him as a scorer. They're going to put him on the power play. They're going to do all the things that they think Borhorovac can do. Um, and then we'll see where that takes them. Or, because I did honestly believe, like, they were right on the bubble, right? And so mm-hmm. I thought when they acquired him, they're like, okay, we'll see. If this gets us in, well, obviously we'll keep him. Then we'll decide. Um, and then if not, they could flip him. And that's really what I thought they would do. Because I knew if it didn't work, they had the ability to send him somewhere else. Uh, that was never the case. That was apparently they wanted him. What'd you make of the of the comments by Lamarillo, by the way, where he says too much money is too long or too many years. Um, is that just a Lamarilloism where he's just kind of like, this is the kind of thing I think about all the time. Every player I sign is for too many years and it's too much money or do you, it's not specifically at Horvat. I didn't get that as specifically at Horvat. Did you? No, I honestly, I know some people kind of took it really literally. And honestly, I think he kind of has a dry sense of humor where you could think he's really serious when he's really joking. But I thought it was kind of a funny joke because it was even before it was finalized when he was like, well, what do you want me to say? It was too long and too much money. I mean, what do you want? So, and he did really want Bo Bo Horvath. He made that very clear. He wanted to sign him. He intended to sign him. So, and I honestly really love that when they asked um, Horvath about those comments, he was like, well, he's not wrong. I'll give him that. Like, it's just in good fun, I think. So, yeah, I understand where it could have been interpreted wrong, but yeah, I thought it was actually kind of funny. Yeah, no, it'll be good. I'm glad it's good when players seem to be happy. The team seems to be happy. the, The trade works out. I mean, the only team that's really probably going to be kicking themselves here is, is Vancouver. Uh, and we're already hearing rumblings that, and he's denied this, but the Jim Rutherford's not happy with his job in Vancouver that maybe he wants to go, which is if even remotely accurately true is such bad timing. <laughs> like yeah. talk about a mess in Vancouver. Like this, this, this whole thing is just goofy. 
What about Jack Hughes? You had brought him up. Uh, the injury is pretty big deal in New Jersey where the Devils are hot. They're playing really well, and Jack Hughes is a major part of that team's success. What does the Jack Hughes injury out week to week with an upper body injury, what does that mean? Does that, like, week to week's not enough to really do anything about this at the deadline? Mm-hmm. Not that he's making a killing yet. Um, yeah. So, like, what do the Devils do? Do they go out and try to get something to replace him for week to week? Are we just sort of saying, okay, well, we're in good enough position that we can try to fill by committee and we'll just wait till he gets back? Like what happens in New Jersey here? Do you think? This is where I think it's going to get really interesting too, because someone actually made a good point on Twitter. Uh, they said uh, something like uh, the devil said when um, Andre Pilat was injured, uh, they said week to week, he ended up missing 10 weeks. Um, when Marino was out, uh, when they said week to week, he ended up missing 10 weeks. And they're like, and now they're saying Jack Hughes is week to week. What does that mean? Does that mean 10 weeks? Like they, they tend to downplay injuries a lot. Although um, they did say they thought it would be on the shorter yeah, side. Yeah, I'm just reading so, that right now. Yeah. yeah. So I am interested though, to see what they do. I don't think they need to panic if I'm being honest, because their depth really has stepped up. I know Jack Hughes is a big um, force for them for their offense, but I think they should be okay. Um, they are the third best team in the league. So unless they started losing literally every single game, um, going into the trade deadline, but even that wouldn't, I don't think really mess them up too badly. So, but I know a lot of people are, uh, trying to be like, well, maybe do, do they start kicking the tires more on Timo Meyer or even Patrick Kane? So I am interested to see how they respond to this because they could go either way I don't think either one is bad they needed they wanted a big presence anyways even with Jack Hughes in the lineup so we'll see how they respond to this but I think they're the team to watch right now yeah I'm with you I think the Timo Meyer talk uh around the Rangers was misguided probably I think the Devils were the team uh that were probably the most likely to do something here Uh, I could see Carolina maybe getting in on Timo Meyer Mm -hmm. but um yeah the devils i i wonder if they change if like you said they said it's on the shorter end of things but if for whatever reason they know more than they're letting on and this could be a month you know like you you were thinking about adding meyer anyway maybe now is the time to do it to go okay you know what let's not wait we were gonna wait but let's not wait let's get him in here let's have him helping our offense let's get some production going on and then when jack hughes gets back the two of them can take as much time as they need to kind of work things out together and build some chemistry and whatever. Else. I don't, I have no idea. I don't see this Jack Hughes thing being long enough to affect New Jersey's LTR situation or their ability to add some more money. Uh, I don't see that. I think Jack Hughes will probably be back before then. Um, yes. But yeah, like I, I think it's just a matter of whether or not you go, okay, do we make this push now and make sure we don't lose any momentum or do we go, okay, well, let's see how this affects what we do. Like, do we stumble a little bit here because we don't have Jack Hughes in our lineup and then do we need to react? So that'll be interesting from a San Jose perspective too, because if New Jersey does pull out like all the cards and say, okay, we really want Timo Meyer now, how does that change how San Jose approaches them and says, well, we know now that you really need him. So mm-hmm. what do we say? What's the ask, right? It's a tough one. Like it's a, it's an interesting situation for the, the two to be in. Who do you believe is kind of the next big shoe to drop? Is it going to be Meyer? Is it going to be another name? Like we're seeing some teams make some action. We thought Toronto might be busy. They signed Connor Timmons to an extension, Mm -hmm. uh, which might change their view a little bit about what they do here. Um, 
some people like we heard Ken Holland of the Oilers who were supposed to be a very busy team. He's like, I'm not adding anything. If anything, I'm upgrading. It's dollar in, dollar out. So for me, it's not an addition. It's an upgrade. So I have to look at what I have and I have to go, is the thing I'm acquiring better than what I already have? And what is the price to get me to upgrade that? And that's what he's looking at. So we're hearing a lot of teams that are maybe going to be busy and active here, but things are happening behind the scenes. People are coming back. These extensions are getting done. Guys are coming off LTIR. Like it's changing. Do you have somebody that you think is kind of like the next name that you're looking for? Tarasenko was not the next name on Mm -hmm. my list, but I figured it was happening somewhat soon. Do you have one that you're kind of watching for? So I have to say that, like I said, don't expect the Patrick Kane shoe to drop anytime soon at this point. I mean, even uh, the general manager, Kyle Davidson, said it's been pretty quiet for them on the trade uh, front at the moment. So don't expect that to be the next shoe to drop, even though it would make sense. But I got my eye on Jacob Chikrin right now to try to be the next domino there. I know that a lot of people were kind of freaking out because he's kind of starting to wipe his social media of his connection to the Arizona Coyotes. And everyone's like, oh, is it starting to get real here? Is there something going on we don't know about? So, And I think we're all kind of waiting for a shoot to drop on defense to kind of get the ball rolling because a lot of teams right now need defense. I know the Blackhawks are kind of a big hot spot for that right now with Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy as well. So, yeah, I'm looking at uh, Jacob Chikrin to kind of get the ball rolling as the next really big shoe to drop. I don't disagree with you. Uh, who is the team that you think? Like, there's a lot of talk here at Edmonton that they were out of this, and now they're not out of this. And when I talk about Holland saying that there's upgrades involved here, this is the guy I think he's probably talking about without mentioning any names because you can't mention names for tampering reasons. But he's probably thinking to himself, okay, here's what I've got. I've got Brett Kulak. I've got Philip Broberg. I've got these guys on my left side. If we bring Chickren in, he's clearly an upgrade. But how much of an upgrade is he? What's the cost to get him? It's two firsts and an equivalent prospect of some kind. Is it Edmonton? Is it somebody else? Like, is it Toronto that comes in here? Is it Boston that comes in here? Because we've heard the Bruins are looking at this too. Like, who do you think it is that that if Chickren goes, that makes that move that finally, you know, steps up to the plate and says, okay, we'll give you what you want. I know we talked about Ottawa for a bit, but at this point, I don't see him going to a team that's not a playoff team. So I think that's out of the picture. But a team that does stick out to me is the Bruins a lot. That team, I think, makes a lot of sense for them. Honestly, they want to go for it and they want to keep shoring up um, their team. So I think that makes a ton of sense. I'll be interested uh, to see if Boston, what they even do, because their team is so good, but like I said, they probably need some reinforcements because injuries happen and you can't be guaranteed. It's kind of good to have that. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of eyeing the Bruins. I did hear a little bit that maybe Detroit could be interested, but again, that's not really a playoff team. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. But Well, the yeah, thing about I'll... Chikorin is that he's got term, right? So even if you're not a playoff team this year, if you view him as somebody who could be helpful for your, your playoff runs next year and the year after, I guess you could still be interested in chicken. Like the cost with this guy is so high that you yes. want to get the most you can out of him, which includes this season, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. bringing him in, like if you're the Oilers, you're bringing him in because he can help you with a playoff run right now. And mm-hmm. he's going to be a good piece to have next year and the year after that. If you're Toronto, he gets you through the first round, right? He gets you mm-hmm. into the second round, which they have not done ever forever. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. he's going to be the reason that they do that. And then they're going to go, okay, well, we have a good value contract the year next and the year after that. If you're bringing them in, if you're Detroit, you're Ottawa or whomever, and you don't think you're a playoff team this year, there's a really large window there that chickens. Most of his value is going to come this season as you're pushing for the playoffs. And if you don't get to take advantage of that, 
it really changes what you're willing to spend on somebody. Like, right. He's still good. He'd still be valuable and it still makes sense to acquire him for the right price. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking two firsts and a second or two firsts and a prospect or two, whatever, like that's high, that's really high. And you got to go, man, how much value can we get out of this guy? And that's the real question. So I'm with you. I think it's just going to matter who steps up. If some of these things right. start falling down, like, Tarasenko's gone. Horvat's gone. If people start, and these are all forwards, so no major defenseman has moved yet. But if he's the first one, it's going to change a lot of things. Like it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, you brought up want to talk a little bit about Bruce Boudreau. Let's do that real quick. Um, so what do you, I, what do you make of him going back to the NHL Network? He stays in the game. Uh, he's going to be doing analyst work and and talking about hockey, which is great. Like, how do you not love Bruce Boudreau? Like the guy just absolutely seems like he just wants to be around the game loves it um legitimately like everybody's bummed when they get canned no for sure but he's legitimately sad that it ended the way that it ended and he just felt like almost he i can't speak for him i don't know what's in his head but almost like he just got tossed out with the bathwater. you know what i mean like so i'm glad to see that he's going to be doing something like that's really really cool and i think the timing on nhl network's part is good because uh, they know there's a lot of sympathy for this dude mm-hmm. and people will tune in to watch him, and it'll be fun. Um, what do you make of that news? Do you know what? I was, like I said, this theme of our uh, show should just be surprised. We are very surprised by all this, but I was surprised a little bit because I kind of thought he might get a coaching job somewhere, somehow. I didn't know where, but I kind of thought coaching was still might be in his future, just like you said, for the sympathy thing. Like he was kind of treated badly, like, come on, give him a chance. But I like this, though. I don't dislike that he's going um, back to NHL Network. Um, I think he'll actually be really good to listen to. He actually, I've always liked hearing him speak, even when he spoke to the media. He always was very honest, and he has that kind of um, empathetic um, tone to him as well. Like, he's able to relay messages um, nicely. So I think it's a really good gig for him. I think people are also selfishly hoping that he'll kind of spill some details about what went down. In Maybe. Vancouver, I think he's a little bit too classy to try to to want to, you know, kind of go down that road. But maybe who knows? We'll see. But yeah, I like this for him a lot. I think also fans will want to tune in just to hear what he has to say, even on the hockey side, not just Vancouver side. So, yeah, I, I love this for him. It's good to see. Well, what I love the most about him is he seems like he's like a big kid. Like he's, yeah, an, exactly. he's an old grandpa who's still a kid inside his body, right? Like, did you ever see the one where he was doing the, the draft coverage and Kevin Owens from the WWE showed up and he was like a massive fan and they were in Montreal and he like saw him and he's just like, he just melted like a little child would go into his very first wrestling match. Cause he's like, he was a fan of Kevin. It was just so fun to watch. Like, he's just like a kid, right? You just, you can't help, but just get emotionally invested in what it, cause he, he just seems so genuinely happy. Right. And yes. when he's sad, he's so genuinely sad that you feel bad for him. You're just like, oh, this breaks my heart. Right. You may be so happy for him. And then when he's so sad, it breaks your heart. Right. There's something to that. I think there's really mm-hmm. uh, when you have him on your network and you can bring people in and they can sort of feel it's kind of like the opposite of like a Tortorella, for example, where everybody just hears what he says and they're all like, ah, well, it's Tortorella. And yeah. even Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux says, you know, he's like saying with love, right? Mm-hmm. Like he absolutely genuinely feels it. That's why he's saying yes. it. So. No, that'll be really cool. Uh, that'll be good. Anything else we should chat about before we let her go and probably do another episode for another big trade that's probably going to drop here in the next week? Ooh, if you kind of want to discuss the fact that uh, Matt Murray is back on the injured reserve for Toronto and yeah. who the heck knows where Toronto goes from here at this point with the trade deadline because 
it seems like they try and things just go wrong. And I don't know how, where they go from yeah. here. Tor- to me, Toronto's pooched. Like, yeah, I, they cannot, they are, I don't know how to just, just they're very smart when it comes to salary caps and pulling off deals that you never expect they pull off. And then they always stick their foot in it by making some crazy decision. Like, I, I, you're never going to convince me that Matt Murray and the Ilya Samsonov thing was enough. Like, sorry, yeah. that was not enough. And there was history there proving that neither one of these guys is going to probably carry that. There was injury questions. There's all this stuff about Matt Murray in the goalpost. There's all this stuff about his, it, it, like, all of that was going to plague Toronto at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can they figure out a way for Matt Murray to be injured enough that he's on LTIR that changes things. If that's mm-hmm. the case, Toronto will and has the ability and they've proven it's already to work themselves out of a corner, but they didn't need to paint themselves into this corner to begin with. That's my point. Right. And if you're going to be a franchise that continues to do this, then you're kind of, you're making it really hard to succeed in an area that you wanted to be able to pull something off. And so Without proper goaltending, there's no way. There's just no way they can get anywhere in the playoffs. They need to have solid, consistent goaltending that they have not had in forever. And when they finally get it, they seem to move it. Freddie Anderson, right? Like, those guys, they just go. And so, I don't know. I don't see Toronto. I see another year where they don't get past the first round. As good as they seem to be right now, I'm not sure they're going to make it out. No, I don't either. And something that stood out to me was, okay, that Matt Murray thing came out and we already knew they had issues with goaltending. They did pretty good for a while, but I think everyone knew that wasn't really sustainable. It was just kind of a good stretch, which happens. But Kyle Dubas said today that he wants to improve forward and defense. He's good with goal, with the goalies. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the move, Kyle. If you want to, like, I'm with you, Jim. I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't. If you're a Toronto fan, I don't know if that would sit right with me something's wrong there <laughs> well i mean look at their two options right it is very possible that matt murray and samsonov could get hot that's yes. possible mm-hmm. but it's also as possible that one of them could go down in the first round mm-hmm. and then what like yes. you then you're now super reliant on one person who has a proven track record of being very inconsistent so if you're lucky the person you're you're really counting on and the only one that you have left is decent and yes. if he isn't you should have seen it coming Right. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what Toronto's goaltending is. It's a the wrong step away from another bad injury. And even when they're both healthy, it's a give or take whether or not they're going to be any good that night. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Toronto's goaltending is. So you're just kind of like, well, I don't know how you're going to get through this. Like I could still say the same thing about Edmonton. You know, like we have a rookie and we have Jack Campbell who's inconsistent. He's playing fantastic right now. But does that mean it's going to sustain it? He's proven over his career he has not been able to do that. So there's still question marks and goal for me in Edmonton, even though everything looks really rosy right now. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to know, right? So even when you're talking about the Oilers, I would still say, yeah, the question marks and goal are there, right? Mm-hmm. The question marks in Toronto's goaltending have been there since the beginning of the year. It has not changed. And they aren't planning on doing anything about it. I saw the same thing. I saw LA Freeman even reported that, that they're not looking at goaltending. So yeah, I uh, think I, I don't know. I think Darcy Kemper on the avalanche kind of ruined everyone's kind of thoughts on goaltending in the playoffs. The fact that he had an 800 save percentage and they still won the Stanley cup. I think it kind of made everyone kind of be like, well, if we can just outscore everyone, we'll be fine. And I think maybe Kyle Dubas is hoping that will be the case, but yeah, you're right. I think they're kind of a team to watch too. They don't really have cap space at the moment to mm-hmm. work with unless they move well, people out. So yeah, we'll see I wrote an article on the hockey writers talking about how they could make cap space and all the people they could demote 
Uh and trades that they could do and they could get the cap space but they're also really relying on a bunch of defensemen who don't Mm -hmm. have a proven track record they're playing pretty Mm -hmm. well right now but they're not exactly like killing it with the guys that they have available to them and there's no real consistent track record of these guys maintaining this so Mm -hmm. again if they elevate and keep going they could be all right on their defense but if they yeah. regress back to where you probably would expect rookies or second year players to get to like that's what we're facing so if you're toronto it's a real question mark for me i don't know i have no idea yeah. what they're gonna do they i would assume they'll do something which mm-hmm. is why chicken looks like a, an interesting option for me uh in toronto but i don't know we'll have to see yeah. what they do Anyway, uh, let's we'll leave it there. I'm sure we'll get to together here in the next week because something's mm-hmm. probably going to happen. We're going to get a lot of talk. I was covering the basketball trade deadline today too for the NBA, which was very very busy this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of major stuff going on. But uh, as more news comes, we'll make sure we have it on both the hockey writers and NHLTradeTalk.com. You can check out TradeTalkSports.com if you're interested in the basketball stuff. Uh, Brooke, thank you. I look forward to reading whatever you got coming up here for the Blackhawks, which I'm sure will be news in the next two weeks. And then we'll keep everybody up to speed on the trade deadline. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Don't forget, check it out, download it, subscribe it, and uh, share this with other people. We'll talk to you in the next one.